Hello and welcome to episode 61 of the Bead Picture Podcast. I'm your host, Bidemir Logende. On this episode, I'll be presenting an overview of the relationship between nation-state threat actors whose main goals are, are to carry out the objectives of their government using cyber tools, as well as individual cyber criminals whose main goal, on the other hand, is to make money, regardless of what they do online, to get that money. I'll be showing some interesting linkages based on recent and previous information from court documents, news articles, some of my own confidential sources, and so on. Thank you for your time. Let's get to it. So for a while, there has been a growing alliance between officials within some national governments and highly sophisticated cyber criminals who commit a range of cyber crimes from digital bank heists and sophisticated money laundering operations to ransomware attacks and phishing campaigns. The victims of this incident are scattered all over the world, and this shows yet again that the challenge of cybercrime is and will continue to be a struggle that can only be won through effective partnerships, perseverance, and a relentless focus on holding cybercriminals accountable. So generally speaking, there are three main reasons why governments use cyber attacks to advance their interests. So the first is to spy on each other. The second is to steal intellectual property. And the third is to simply meddle in politics. So North Korea, as one of the major cyber powers, goes against any of these three major reasons, simply because there are several proofs that the politically isolated country is far more interested in making money pure and simple. North Korean hackers are actually known to be the world's leading bank robbers. On several occasions, the North Korean government has leveraged the significant skills of its cyber army to carry out bank heists simply to prop up that country's struggling economy. Conservative estimates put the total amount of money that the North Korean government has obtained illegally from those hacks at over $1 billion, billion with a B. So I'm just going to list some of the... um, Notable incident that North Korean hackers have taken part in. Um, the first one is a cyber attack on Sony Pictures Entertainment, and that was back in November 2014. Um, there was this 2015 cyber attack on Mammoth Screen, which is a film studio that was producing a fictional series involving a British nuclear scientist who was taken prisoner in the Democratic People's Republic of Korea. And then there's a bank heist from 2015 to 2019 in several countries, including Vietnam. Bangladesh, Taiwan, um, Mexico, Malta, and several African countries, which are which were carried out by hacking bank networks and then sending fraudulent SWIFT messages. So SWIFT is the um, protocol used to send money, um, wire transfers internationally. And then there is a bank heist of $6.1 million through ATM cash-out schemes from Bank Islami Pakistan Limited. So that's a Pakistani bank, and I'll be talking more about that later on in the episode. Then there is a WannaCry 2.0 ransomware attack back in May of 2017 and the extortion and attempted extortion of victim companies from 2017 through 2020 involving the theft of sensitive data and the deployment of other ransomware. There is also the creation and deployment of multiple malicious cryptocurrency applications between March of 2018 and September of 2020, including Scylla Trade Pro. So these are all malicious cryptocurrency applications. There is Scylla Trade Pro, WorldBeat Bot, iCryptoFX, Union Crypto Trader, 
Coupe Wallet, then this CoinGo Trade, Dorusio, Crypto Neuro Trader, and Ants to Will, all of which provide the North Korean hackers a backdoor into the victims' computers. So they make all these malicious cryptocurrency software. They get people to download them and use them to trade cryptocurrency. But all the while, they are just stealing from those people who downloaded the, the software, who, who thought they were just trading in crypto. Meanwhile, everything they were trading in is being sent back to North Korean hackers as a way of basically stealing from them. Then there is the targeted attacks against hundreds of cryptocurrency companies and the thefts of millions of dollars in cryptocurrency $75 million from a Slovenian cryptocurrency company in December of 2017, $24.9 million from an Indonesian cryptocurrency company in September of 2018, and then there is $11.8 million stolen from a financial services company in New York City in August 2020, where the hackers used the malicious crypto neuro trader application as a backdoor. So multiple spear phishing campaigns as well between March of 2016 and February of 2020, the targeted U.S. cleared defense contractors, energy companies, aerospace companies, technology companies, the U.S. Department of State, as well as the U.S. Department of Defense. There's also the development and marketing of the Marine Chain Token back in 2017, and this enabled investors to purchase fractional ownership, ownership interest in marine shipping vessels, which were supported by blockchain technology, which basically allowed North Korean hackers to secretly obtain funds from investors and control interest in marine shipping vessels, thereby evading U.S. sanctions. So we see here that they have all kinds of goals and all of them dovetail into simply stealing money, evading U.S. sanctions because U.S. sanctions basically impoverish North Korea further, but then they have way, ways to, to evade those sanctions so they can keep more of what they earn, albeit illegally. So what I'm about to talk to um, talk about on this episode relates to how these North Korean hackers get individual cyber criminals to basically launder the money they steal so that they can further, um, I guess, steal the money and then use the money effectively. And then they can get away with stealing the money, basically, because when they launder the money, then it becomes untraceable, especially through um, cryptocurrency laundering operations. So back in February of this year, on Wednesday, February 17, 2021, a federal indictment was unsealed in Los Angeles, California, that charged three North Korean computer programmers, as well as one Canadian-American citizen, with participating in a wide-ranging criminal conspiracy to conduct a series of destructive cyber attacks and financial crimes that basically made them the world's most wanted bank robbers. According to a press release from the U.S. Department of Justice, the indictment filed in the U.S. District Court in Los Angeles alleged that 31-year-old John Chang Hyok, 27-year-old Kim Il, and 36-year-old Park Jin Hyok were members of units of the Reconnaissance General Bureau, RGB. And RGB is basically a military intelligence agency of the Democratic People's Republic of Korea, DPRK, also known as North Korea. Park Jin Hyok was previously charged in a criminal complaint that was unsealed back in 2018, September 2018. 
So in the February 2021 indictment, all three of them were charged with stealing and extorting more than $1.3 billion in cash and cryptocurrency from several financial institutions and companies. To do this, they created and deployed multiple malicious cryptocurrency applications, like I described earlier, and developed and then fraudulently marketed a blockchain platform, which I also described earlier. Furthermore, the indictment revealed that all three defendants were at times, at different times, stationed in other countries, including China and Russia. And while all these defendants were part of RGB units that have been referred to by cybersecurity researchers as Lazarus Group and APT-38. So APT is basically Advanced Persistent Threat. It's a naming convention in cybersecurity to, to identify basically threat actors. So this indictment alleged that the groups engaged in a single conspiracy to cause damage, steal data and money, and otherwise further the strategic and financial interests of the North Korean government and its leader, Kim Jong-un. All three defendants are believed to be in North Korea, which does not extradite its citizens to face charges in the US or any other country for that matter. So in a second related case that was also unsealed on February 17 of this year, which was also filed in the US District Court in Los Angeles back in November 2020, it was revealed that a Canadian-American citizen agreed to plead guilty in a money laundering scheme and also admitted to being a high-level money launderer for multiple criminal schemes, including ATM cash-out operations and a cyber-enabled bank heist that were orchestrated by North Korean hackers. So 37-year-old Galeb Alomari, also known as G, also known as Big Boss, also known as Backwood, and is from Mississauga in Ontario, Canada. So this um, individual was charged and pleaded guilty to two counts of conspiracy to commit money laundering in two different cases, one of which was filed in Los Angeles for his role as a money launderer for the North Korean conspiracy. So in his, in his role as a money launderer for the North Korean hackers, Alomari organized teams of co-conspirators in the US and Canada to launder millions of dollars that were obtained through ATM cash-out operations, including about $6.1 million from Bank Islami, a Pakistani commercial bank, as well as another bank in India, both in 2018. He provided bank accounts that received funds from bank, cyber heist, and fraud schemes, and once the ill-gotten funds were in accounts that he controlled, he then laundered the funds through wire transfers, cash withdrawals, and by exchanging the funds for cryptocurrency. Other victims of his crimes included a bank headquartered in India, as well as several companies in the US, UK, individuals in the US, as well as a professional soccer club in the UK. Alomari also conspired with the arrested Nigerian cyber criminal, Ramon Olonrua Abbas, aka Ray Hushpuppy, as well as others, to launder funds obtained from a cyber-enabled heist from a Maltese bank that was also done by North Korean hackers back in February of 2019. In November of 2020, Alomari implicated Hush Puppy in a plea bargain that he entered with the U.S. District Court in Los Angeles. So in that plea bargain, it revealed that Hush Puppy and five other co-conspirators helped him to launder $45 million using Romanian bank accounts. So this happened on Wednesday, January 16, 2019. Alomari sent electronic messages to Hush Puppy requesting bank accounts that could receive 5 million euros. So Hush Puppy responded by sending the information for a bank account in Romania, including the IBAN number. So it's like an identification number slash 
transfer um, code for, for banks. And then two other messages followed before the transactions were actually made. Two days later, on January 18, 2019, Alomari sent another message to Hush Puppy saying, quote, my associates want you to clear this as soon as it hits because a recall can be made and if they don't notice, we keep pumping, end quote. So according to Canadian news media, Alomari has been arrested multiple times in Canada, but the longest jail time he has served is six months. He was arrested in Georgia in the U.S. in 2019 on money laundering charges that he committed back in 2017 against Regions Bank and BBVA Compass Bank. In July of 2020, the U.S. Attorney's Office in Los Angeles charged Osh Poppy in a separate case alleging that he conspired to launder hundreds of millions of dollars from business email compromise frauds um, and other scams. Alomari is also being prosecuted for his involvement in a separate um, BEC scheme by the U.S. Attorney's Office of the Southern District in, of Georgia. So in the case filed by the Southern District of Georgia, Alomari conspired with other people who sent fraudulent spoofed emails to a university in Canada back in 2017 to make it appear that the, as if the emails were coming from a construction company requesting payment for a major building project. The university, believing that it was paying the construction company, wired 11.8 million Canadian dollars, approximately 9.4 million US dollars, to a bank account controlled by Alomari and his co-conspirators. Alomari then arranged with individuals in the US and elsewhere to basically launder the stolen funds through various financial institutions. Weeks later, Alomari arranged for a co-conspirator in the US to make several trips to Texas to impersonate wealthy bank customers in a scheme to steal hundreds of thousands of dollars from victims using the victim's stolen personally identifiable information. On Wednesday, September 8, 2021, just last week, Alomari was sentenced to 140 months in federal prison for the two charges that were brought against him back in February of this year. As part of a sentence that covers both cases, Alomari was ordered to pay about $30.7 million in restitution to victims. He is the fourth defendant in this investigation sentenced in the Southern District of Georgia. The other three are Uchechi Ohanaka, Kelvin DeSangles, and General Aziz. All three of them pled guilty in federal court to, fe to fraud felonies and were sentenced to terms totaling more than 200 months in prison. So the investigation of John, Kim, and Park, the three North Korean um, members of the North Korean military, was led by the FBI's Los Angeles Field Office, which worked closely with the FBI's Charlotte Field Office. The U.S. Secret Service's Los Angeles Field Office and Global Investigative Operations Center provided substantial assistance. The FBI Cyber Division also provided substantial assistance. The investigations of Alomari were conducted by the U.S. Secret Service's Savannah Field Office in Georgia, the FBI's Los Angeles, Los Angeles Field Office, and the U.S. Secret Service's Los Angeles Field Office and Global Investigative Operations Center. The FBI's Criminal Investigative Division and the Royal Canadian Mounted Police also provided substantial assistance. The case against John Kim and Park is being prosecuted by Assistant U.S. Attorneys Anil J. Anthony and Khaldun Shobaki of the Cyber and Intellectual Properties Crime Section, CCIPS, with substantial assistance from trial attorney Scott Claffey 
of the Department of Justice National Security Division's Counterintelligence and Export Control Section. Assistant U.S. Attorneys Anthony and Chubaki are also prosecuting the case against Alomari, in which the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of Georgia and the Criminal Division's Computer Crimes and Intellectual Property Section, CCP-IPS, provided substantial assistance. The Criminal Division's Office of International Affairs provided assistance throughout the investigations, as did many of the FBI's legal attaches in other countries, as well as foreign authorities around the world. Numerous victims also cooperated and provided valuable assistance. So to wrap up, we have individual cyber criminals, a Nigerian and a Canadian-American, who were involved in active money laundering operations for three North Koreans who were members of the country's military intelligence agency. In addition to cyber iced, the North Koreans were also involved in other high-profile cyber attacks, ranging from the attack against Sony Pictures Entertainment back in 2014 to the global WannaCry ransomware attack back in 2017. One of the main specialties of these North Korean hackers is known as ATM cash-out operations, as it represents their most significant illegal revenue opportunity. It is so problematic that the U.S. government has issued alerts warning that the scams pose a significant threat to financial institutions, not just in the U.S., but all over the world. So that's all I have for this episode of The Big Picture. The production, editing, fact-checking, audio engineering, and graphic design were done by yours truly, Bidemi Ologude. Please join me again on the next episode as I continue with a deep dive on cybersecurity topics, news, events, and incidents, and the lessons that we can all learn from them for robust cyber threat intelligence and awareness in our daily lives. Make sure you follow, download, or subscribe to the Bid Picture Podcast on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcast, Pandora, TuneIn Radio, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. And please share the show with anyone that you think might benefit from it. For questions, comments, or any suggestions, please send an email to bdme at thebeatpicture.com. You can also get in touch on Twitter at BeatPicture as well as on the Clubhouse app at BID. Please remember to leave a review for the podcast if your platform allows you to do so. Thank you for your time. See you on the next episode. Bye for now.